As you find your seats, please turn me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. I just love BA, love her enthusiasm, love the fact that BA is convinced the whole world revolves around children's ministry. We want that and our children's ministry director and just her enthusiasm and her love for our covenant kids and to see Addie Berry up here singing, which is awesome, and Gina Thompson singing and our, our own Alan Gendro. I mean, Alan Gendro, he's good looking, he can sing. And he just was uh, given an award for the number one soccer player in Central Florida. Of all Central Florida, all schools. Unbelievable. <laughs> and by the way, little old Orangewood was given the number one team status. Isn't that amazing? Uh, God has blessed us in so many ways. What a privilege it is to journey with you. What a privilege it is to be one of your pastors. I love you. Um, what a privilege it is to come to God's word. And I truly believe... He has a meal and a half for us today uh, if we listen to the Good Shepherd's voice. Now today I'm going to be looking at uh, this kingdom series. We're going to be looking at the kingdom and the individual. What is our responsibility in this kingdom deal? How does our part, our gifts fit for God's big master plan? It's some amazing things that we're going to see. Now we're going to use the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 14 is really our text that we will, we will be in. But also, for those of you who brought your B-I-B-L-E's, those of you who love Jesus enough to carry it, and he knows who you are, um, let me encourage you that you may want to put a little dog ear tab in Mark chapter 6, also in Luke 9, in John 6. This story is so important that the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit is going to move in four gospel writers' lives to include this story. And the beauty is, it's kind of like, you know when you hear a story from someone and someone else tells you the same story but adds a little bit more color, a little bit different perspective? That's what God's holy and errant word does. He gives us a great story like Jesus feeding the 5,000. And he lets four human voices inspired tell the story. And we really see this picture as beautiful as it is. It's amazing. But as we begin to kind of get the gray matter going, to get you a, a focused um, and, and engage, I'm going to ask you three questions. Three questions that will set the stage for what God has for us today. And the first question is this. Why would God want us to do something that he could do himself? Why would God want us or require of us or ask us to do something that he could do himself? I mean, I think about it from a parent's perspective oftentimes. Uh, many of the things that I ask my children to do are things that I really don't want to do. Can you get the remote control? How about something out of the refrigerator? <laughs> um, and, or, or hopefully a, a better task than that. But we've got to ask ourselves the question, what is God up to? I mean, is he bored? Is he, why, why? Why is he asking us to do something that, that he could do? Could it be? He delights in watching us do things that he could do, but he delights in us doing them. Second question is this. What does it say about somebody who does all projects all on their own? 
What does it say about that one person? It's so self-sufficient and she's so capable that she doesn't need anybody's help or he has it all together. Well, he doesn't even need to ask. He's kind of one of those people who says, hey, I'm on it. I got it. I don't need your help. If I need your help, I'll ask. But really, let me alone. Let me do it all myself. What kind of image comes in your mind of someone who is that much of a lone ranger? Someone who really says, hey, I don't need anybody else. Well, let me ask you this last third question. What joy does a child receive when she or he is able to help daddy or mommy with a task? What joy does a child receive when they're able to work together, maybe with father, on a task? You've seen it, haven't you? You've seen it in your kid's face, your grandkid's face, your cousins, your nieces and nephews, where they say, can I help? Can I help? Can I be a part of that? Can I be involved? And what kind of parent says no? You know, I still love working with dad. I really do. And, and it's amazing because when dad and I come together, we, we bring together a great package. He has all the gifts and abilities. I have none. He can fix things. I break them. Um, I do come with bigger muscles than he has. I don't know if you've seen my dad, but I'm much bigger. So if we need to like open a jar, I'm the man, you know, do something that's really requires brute strength. Other than that, I'm, I'm worthless. And recently, um, the light in the hallway that goes up to my study above my garage was out. And I had to replace the sockets. Now, for some of you, you're saying, replace sockets. There's two of them, you know, they're connected to one another. So uh, you can flip one on and go to the other one and flip it off. Um, but for some of you, you say, oh, I can knock that out in five, ten minutes. No big deal for me. I might electrocute myself. So if I'm saying I'm going down, I'm bringing dad with me. <laughs> so dad came, I went out and bought these sockets that glow in the dark. Because sometimes you open up the garage, it's spooky and scary and dark in there. And I want to see where the light is as fast as I can. Make a beeline and turn that thing on. Some of you guys can relate. So there we were, father and son, working side by side. Well, he was working. I was encouraging him. Occasionally able to help. And, uh, uh, but we were able to rewire things and get them in. And, and we, we got it all set. You know what? Those light switches, they glowed. I was like so proud. I may be able to come in and see them glow. And it's awesome. Let's try them out. Flip them on. No good. Go to the other one. Flip it on. No good. We test the electricity. Uh, everything works. Do you know, who would ever thought that two light bulbs would be out? I mean, did you ever think <laughs> that you, both light bulbs would be out? I mean, you know how embarrassing it is to finally tell your dad, uh, <clears throat> um, maybe it's the light bulb. <laughs> and I changed it, and sure enough, it was the light bulbs. But now I have... Things that glow in the dark, which is really good. So I, I've upgraded. But the more than that, in anything, I had the joy of working with Father. I had the joy of working with Father on a task that really he could have done by himself. But somehow working with Father brings us great joy. And what a great God is ours that will come to us and say, I could do it all myself, but I want you to help i got a task, this kingdom work that we're a part of. He says, you're the A-team, and I want to use you. Let's look to God's holy and errant word to this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and looking at what our responsibility is as individuals. Again, I'm going to be reading out of Matthew 14, verses 13 through 21. I'm going to be referencing the other three Gospels as we read, but let's be mindful that we're reading God's holy and errant word. It's because he loves us. He's given us his word. It'll always lead us to truth, and it will show us the beauty of our God and our need for a Savior. Let's read together. 
God's holy word. Matthew 14, verse 13. Now, when Jesus heard this, now what did he hear? What did Jesus hear? He's going to hear something that's going to drive him to go into isolation. He's going to hear something that's going to so shatter his current situation that he wants to get away from it all. What did Jesus hear? Well, right before this, we are told the story that Jesus' cousin, a religious hero of the day, was martyred. He was beheaded. Jesus' cousin, one that would baptize even Jesus himself, the one that Jesus would say there's no man born of woman that's greater than John. John has been killed. Hearing this, and not only that, but you see in verse 14, it also says that Herod heard about the fame of Jesus. And he thought that this might be John the Baptist alive, resurrected. So I'm not sure if he's just hearing about the fact that Herod's after him and he's getting out of Herod's territory or the reality that John, his cousin, is dead and he was killed. But hearing this, Jesus does this. He withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. I love it. Mark will tell us that he followed them by foot. The crowd followed. He says this. Mark says, they ran. They ran by foot. I mean, there was an urgency to be with Jesus. There was a beauty about Jesus in his character and his being and his work that people wanted to be around him. They got to him by foot so much so they ran to him. And when he went ashore, he saw a crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Well, again, Mark tells us that this compassion flows from a shepherd's heart. It says this, Mark says, he saw the people and they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were scattered, they were broken, they were bruised, they were lost. And because of the good shepherd and his heart for broken sheep like us, he was moved with compassion. Matthew tells us that he began teaching or he began healing them. But Mark tells us more than just that, more than the fact that he just began healing him. Mark tells us that he began teaching them. So here you have Jesus coming on the scene. You have the multitude of the crowd. You have a shepherd's heart moved with compassion. You have one who is going to engage in teaching them, healing them. And you ready for this? Luke tells us what he taught. And guess what it is? He taught to them the kingdom of God in Luke 9. He taught to them the healing of God. Here you have this good shepherd who is teaching them about the kingdom, who is loving them and showing them compassion and healing their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. And the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. There's a logistical quagmire here. These people have been here all day. They're hungry. There's no food around to feed the crowd like this. As a matter of fact, the other Gospels will tell us it will take 200 denarii, which is 200 days' wages, for everyone to have a morsel, for everyone to have a little bite. They had a logistical nightmare on their hands. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. 
<laughs> they said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And Mark will tell us how systematically he put them in different numbers. And Mark will tell us how beautiful the green grass was. And we can't help but think of uh, Psalm 23 of a shepherd who leads us by still waters and green pastures. So he had them sit down and he says, bring me the loaves. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men. And there they, they didn't even count the women and the children. Besides women and children, 5,000 men. What an incredible miracle! What an incredible Savior! Let us pray and ask God to come and just reveal what this story truly means. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the beauty of your love. I thank you for the beauty of your son. I thank you for the beauty of your spirit. And oh God, we need to see Jesus' beauty again. Would you show us your son Would you open up our ears to hear his voice, the good shepherd? Would you open up our minds so that we can understand how magnificently beautiful, how gloriously loving he is? Father, would you empower our feet to walk in a manner worthy of our Savior? And God, would you use us for your glory to do as he has done and to feed the hungry? and to clothe the naked. Father, come and speak through a broken sinner who desperately needs to see the beauty of Christ himself. Father, forgive my sins, they're many. Father, may we see and hear Jesus and Jesus alone. And because of that, may you make us more like him. And may we leave here singing your praises and doing your will for your glory. We pray all this in Christ's powerful name. Amen. I don't know if you happen to see Friday morning sunrise, but it was absolutely breathtaking. It was a Friday morning that I had invited the officers of the church to come and to pray and pray over at my office uh, right next door here. And it was one of those mornings that I had the privilege of actually seeing the sunrise. A lot of times I'm up at that time, but... Rarely do I take time and stop and look. But you see, to get into that building at that hour, we have to have someone let them in. I can't figure out how to prop open the door yet. And so there I am waiting for the elders and the deacons to arrive, and I'm just watching God's masterpiece. I'm seeing the beauty of the sky. Have you seen that beauty? I mean, that breathtaking blue. They call it Carolina blue or something. I call it Jesus blue. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And then as the sun came up and in the high clouds reflected the tinge of yellow and orange. And I mean, it was it was a masterpiece. It was breathtaking. And I really I couldn't even care if they showed up because I just wanted to sit there and say, Jesus, you're beautiful and you're glorious. And I just love this masterpiece that you've painted this morning. Oh, to experience your love, to know the one who would make such a beautiful work of art. You see, sometimes we just have to stop. And look up and gaze 
into his beauty. And what I want to start with this morning in this text is to do just that. Let us gaze at the beauty of Jesus in this text. Because I have such good news for you. He is beautiful. He is beautiful in his being. He is beautiful in his actions. And oh, he is beautiful in his love. Do you see the beauty of Jesus in this story? Well, let me give you a few examples. You'll see an insert. It'll it'll list for you there uh, the passage. Uh, It'll ask you a few questions. You may want to follow along. The first one is, how do you see the beauty of Jesus in this story? Because I want you to see what God has for us. He has for us a beautiful king that needs to be adored, who needs to be worshipped, who needs to be loved. And here's why. The first thing is this. He knows our pain personally. He knows our pain personally. I mean, Jesus in the midst of ministry, in the midst of of loving and giving and sharing, he hears the news. The news that one that he loved, his very own cousin was dead, was martyred, was killed, and the pain of life was so great he had to get out of town. Have you been there? I mean, the pain of life was such he just wanted to stop the routine. He wanted to get away to a desolate place. He just wanted his father. He wanted father and close friends. He wanted to shut off the world, to get away, because the pain was so deep. He knows our pain personally. Isn't it so disingenuous for someone to say to you when you're going through something specific that really, really hurts, and that person has no idea what you're going through, has not experienced what you are going through, and And yes, I know it's out of love, and I know that they're trying to be nice, but don't you just hate when someone says to you when they don't, I know how you feel. I know how you feel. And you're sitting there in your brokenness, and you're sitting there in your tears, and you want to scream. No, you don't. You really don't. That's not Jesus He knows our pain because he experienced it. He knows our brokenness because he experienced it. Because he walked on this earth. It was tempted in every way like us. Who knew the pain of losing loved ones. Who knew the pain of someone being killed that he loved. That is Jesus. Is he not beautiful? The one you pray to, he knows your pain. Not only that, he can relate. He's been there. It's amazing, after this, uh, I had a, a Little League game this week, and I was coming back from the game, and I was driving down Wymore, and all of a sudden I was struck by a gathering of people and roses and flowers and a gathering of, of, of a vigil. Have you seen it on Wymore in the last several days? I mean, there, there's been a lost loved one that's there, and, and they're gathering, and they're remembering and, and they're saying, I, I just want the world to stop. The world is so cruel. And, and there go the cars, car after car after car, basically proclaiming that we're not stopping for you. Your pain may be real, so real that you've got to gather around a tree and remember. You know, something about death is so tragic that just the world doesn't stop and show any respect, does it? Have you lost a loved one? And you just see people jogging and carrying on? You see, the reality is he can relate because he's been there. He's been there. He wanted the world to stop. He wanted to get away. He wanted a vigil with his closest friends. Isn't he beautiful? 
But you know what's amazing is that he sees our needs in the midst of pain. I mean, he sees our needs in the midst of his own pain. And when I go by those folks on Wymore, they don't even seem to notice. I've rolled down my window. I've listened. I've tried to, tried to glean who it was and what it is they are mourning. And, and it's like they're oblivious to us. And I don't know about you, but about me, when I'm hurting, when I'm broken, I don't really see your needs. I'm too consumed with me. It hurts too much. But that's not Jesus. I mean, he leaves at the news of John being taken. And he goes, and what's the first thing he sees is a crowd. The first thing he sees is a crowd that's run to him, a needy crowd, a crowd that needs his attention. And yet, he sees their need. Isn't he beautiful? I mean, was there ever a time for him not to see him? Was there ever a time for him to look away? Was there ever a time he said, I had enough? Was it not now? Is Jesus not beautiful that he can relate, that he knows and he sees in the midst of pain? Only that, his compassion never fails. His compassion never fails. It's at that low point in ministry. It's that brokenness in life where he's going to pour out himself yet again. Where he's not only going to see the needs, he's going to respond to the needs. His compassion never fails. If there was ever a time for it to stop, if there was ever a time to him to say to his disciples, listen, you've got to handle the crowd right now. I really, really need to get with Father. You've got to understand, I've given enough. I've heard enough. I have no more to give. Isn't he beautiful? His compassion never fails. We certainly understand that he needed a time for a break. But he didn't take it. His mercy never fails. And listen, we never fail to need his mercy. We never fail to need his mercy. We can sing a song, I need thee every hour. Let's be honest, I need thee every nanosecond. I mean, remove your restraining grace from me, remove your love from me, and I'm going to just drift off. I'm going to be rebellious. I'm going to love self. I'm going to do the things I want to do. I'm going to curse your name. I'm going to go my own way. I need thee every nanosecond. I need your mercy. Your mercy never fails because I am one and you are one that needs that mercy never to fail. If it does, we're in trouble. Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he beautiful? His mercy never fails. But not only that, he has, his compassion never fails, but his compassion leads to action. It's more than just empathy. I mean, I would be amazed at the story if the story were this. That Jesus came hurting to a desolate area to be with his friends and with the Father. And when he saw a crowd, you know what? He really cared for them and loved them and said a nice prayer and left them. I would say, oh, what a merciful God. But he is so compassionate that his compassion is more than empathy. It moves to action. And what was the action that he did? He brought the kingdom of God to earth. He taught on the kingdom. He healed the broken. He healed the sick. He feeds the hungry. His compassion leads to action. What was he doing? He was restoring all things the way that God intended them to be. Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he beautiful? He chooses to use us to help others. You know what he could have said? Hey, I could do it myself. 
really, I can do all this myself. And the disciples come to him and say, we got a quagmire here. We got 5,000 men. They're really hungry. They're getting ornery. There's no place to go. And he could have said, you know, I don't have time for you guys right now. I really want to do this myself. You're going to probably mess it up because you've been messing a lot of stuff up right now. You don't seem to be getting this message. So step away, fellas, and watch Jesus work. Just try to keep your voices down because you might say the wrong thing. And if you get your hands in this, you really might mess it up. Is he not beautiful that he didn't choose just to do it by himself? Isn't it beautiful that he says to his disciples, you give them something to eat. I'm going to let you partner with me in this kingdom work. I'm going to let you share in the joy. It's not going to be just sit over there in the corner, but I want you involved in the A plan. Is he not beautiful? Is he not beautiful that he would allow us to share in kingdom work? Is it not beautiful that he doesn't drive us away? I mean, what did the disciples say to him? Get him away from you, Jesus. They're going to drain you. They're going to really wear you out. And really, we can't provide for them, so send them away. And you know what he says? They don't need to go anywhere. And the reality is we don't either. Listen, with his shed blood, we're clean. With his righteousness, we're whole. We're his. And we never are going to be driven out of his sight. Satan may accuse us. He may remind us of the sinners we are and the brokenness that we are. But he'll never drive us away. Is he not beautiful? He's more than enough. I mean, 12 baskets. A couple of fish and five loaves, 12 baskets. He takes what we have. Is he not enough? He's all that we need. He fills our cup till it runneth over. And we have baskets left. Is he not beautiful? We see this king who is beautiful has given us a kingdom responsibility. I mean, this story is amazing. <laughs> he turns to his disciples and he says, listen, you give them something to eat. What do you have to give away? What do you have to advance Christ's kingdom? What has he uniquely gifted you to use to bless others? To feed others? To be a blessing to him, it may seem really insignificant to the needs around you. And if you're like me, you open up the newspaper and say, too much pain, too much pain. Click on the news and say, how in the world can I help? How can Orangewood really make a difference? All that we have are a couple of fish and some barley bread. What in the world can we do? Listen, here's what Jesus says with kingdom responsibility. Jesus says, you feed them. And what you have, listen, whatever God has given you, what you have, first and foremost, God says, bring it to me. Give it to Jesus, whatever you have, because he's the one who gave it to you. He's the one who has created you. He's created all things. He's the one that has gifted you. And that is yours. You don't have to worry about what he's given to somebody else. You don't worry about your gifts not matching up to somebody else. They seem so talented. They seem to have it all. What has God given you? Because he has given it to you by design. It's there for a purpose. You don't have to look at anybody else's. What is he giving to you? And in the first call of whatever we have is this, bring it to Jesus. It starts there. The kingdom understanding of this, bring it to Jesus. And I I preached this text a while ago. I'm sure those of you who have heard it, your life was forever changed. And uh, 
And I look over uh, what I said, and, and I think that there was some great stuff in there, but there's was a point that's really changed in my heart. You know, when he asked them, he actually asked them in the other uh, Gospels, he says, go find out what you have. Go take inventory. And they find a little boy with a little lunch. And I think that part of what Jesus was doing is he wanted them to really know that they didn't have enough. And I think what I stressed another time was, listen, whatever you have, it's not enough. And you really need God. And that's true. But I think there's something more beautiful that he has for us. Listen, whatever you have with Jesus, it is enough. Whatever you have with Jesus, it is enough. And we bring it to him. We say, God, I know it's, it's, it's kind of a smelly fish and it, it's some stale bar- barley bread. And this is all I got. This is all I got, but I'm bringing it to you. And you know what? What you have when you give to Jesus, he feeds multitudes. He changes churches. He changes community. His kingdom comes. And he does great things when first and foremost we bring it to him. Not only that, we first give it to Jesus and then we give it to others with Jesus' blessing. We give it to others with Jesus' blessing. I love the fact, here's what Jesus does. He's okay, bring it to me. All right, whatever you got, all right, all we got is one little lunch here. Let's not get alarmed. Bring it to me. We're going to do some great things. He blesses it. He says, Father, we're going to bless what these folks have given to me. You ready for this? He gives it back to them. I'm now going to put it back in your hands with my blessing so that you can feed others. And you're going to have the joy of going to 5,000 men And with your very hands have a story of all stories that God took my lunch and he fed 5,000. Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he beautiful that he lets the disciples use their own hands to feed the masses? Orangewood, I'm so proud of you because I truly see many of you doing just this. A place near and dear to my heart is Casa Hogar in Acapulco. It's an orphanage that we've been partnering with for many, many years. And if you've gone there, you you certainly would know Roberto. Roberto, a very muy guapo young man. Uh, Not big in stature, but uh, a big heart for Jesus. And over the years, he's developed a relationship with a a member here who's gone down year after year after year after year. And this member has become like a dad to him. And this member has helped educate him and put him through school and through college and university and studying for law. And he writes this letter. He says, Dear Senor Al, you have been like a father to me. I write this letter expressing my gratitude first to God and to you for allowing me to continue my studies. Thank you for allowing me to complete my dream of studying for a career. Thank you for your financial help, your love, and your prayers. I want to use my profession in the orphanage at Casa Hogar. I want to help the kids who are doing badly in school with conduct problems. I say goodbye, expressing again my gratitude. Thank you. Many, many thanks. I pray God will continue to strengthen you and that he gives you good health and that he continues blessing you so you can continue being an instrument of blessing for the Casa Hogar and especially for the children. Many, many, many thanks. What do you have? Bring it to me. I'm so proud of Butch Doyle who's got a testimony that contains a lot of struggles and tears, and yet he gives it away. 
who's got a gift of cooking burgers and he does it. I'm so proud of Heather. I'm so thankful that she says, I'm going to go and take what God has given me and I'm going to go to the nursing home. I'm so proud of Jonathan who says, I'm going to mentor Mac at Restore. And Steve who says, I'm going to organize job partnerships. And for Cindy who says, I'm going to sing in the praise band. And for Trudy who says, I'm going to work at True Life Choice. And for Julie who gives countless hours to Restore Orlando. And for Buddy for teaching fourth grade boys Sunday school class. And for Marie for helping organize an Easter egg hunt. And for Sid and for Andy and John and Bob and others who coach little kids in Little League. For C2 groups that put together a 5K run. It's us, by God's grace, saying we may not have much, but what we have we must bring to Jesus. And watch what great things he does. You see, he's given us kingdom responsibility. My brothers and sisters, we're the A plan. You and I need to feed the hungry. He's given us kingdom resources. It may be smelly fish and barley bread, but he wants to use those things to advance his kingdom. And here's the beauty of the gospel of the kingdom. When we bring what we have to Jesus, and when he blesses it and gives it back to us to be a blessing to others, guess what happens? The kingdom comes. And the kingdom advances, and the hungry are fed, and the naked are clothed, and the marginalized are loved. And his name is honored and praised. And his will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't he beautiful? What resources are you bringing to Jesus for kingdom advancement? Because we have a beautiful Savior who loves to take our meager lunch and make a blessing for a multitude a father who loves to del- who delights in watching his children work for the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. He delights in us making Jesus famous through our words, through our love, and through our life. Remember the beauty of Jesus because listen, he had it all. He had it all, but he gave it all away so that we could be beautiful. He had it all. He had all the beauty, all the glory, all the righteousness, all the holiness, and he gave it all away so that the broken, so that the marginalized, so that the sinful could be beautiful in his sight. Now, in Christ, we are the A plan. And now we live for his glory, telling his story, and feeding the hungry along the way. Let us pray together. Father God, we thank you for the privilege, the privilege, the high and holy privilege of being yours. Father, we thank you for your beautiful son, the king. We thank you for a king who would love us so tenderly, whose mercies never fail. The king who had it all but would give it all up so that we could have it all in Christ. And now we have the privilege of knowing that king and loving that king and serving that king. And Father, we ask that you would choose to use us to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to love the marginalized so that the king could be made famous.
We pray this in his powerful name. Amen. Psalm 115 says this, not unto us, not unto our name be the glory, but to your name be the glory. Will you stand and will you sing to me to his glory?